Between 1931 and 1935, the Hoover Dam was built. When you walk along the sidewalk on top of the dam, you can see the dam's face, the sheer face on one side, pictured there, and Lake Mead on the other. You stand at the center of a great feat of power and productivity. Amazingly, and perhaps overlooked and forgotten, is that this power and productivity came out of a time of great crisis for America. It came out of the years of the Great Depression. And during the Depression, countless Americans from across the nation traveled great distances just to find work building this dam. For a decade after it was completed, it was the tallest dam and the largest hydroelectric plant in the world. See, out of a time of great suffering, it became a time of revelation. In the midst of suffering, people saw great power and amazing work take place. In today's text, we catch a glimpse of God's great power and work in the midst of suffering. Israel had been exiled to Babylon. Jerusalem, the city of her joy, had been attacked. The walls are torn down. Anyone can walk in there unprotected and vulnerable. The temple where God had promised his presence would be is destroyed. But out of this suffering, we hear a cry of lament, the book of Lamentations. And in the center of this book of lament, there is a revelation about the amazing faithfulness of God. From the cry of God's people in the midst of suffering and judgment comes a word of faith that remains firm even today and on into eternity. See, we're drawn to consider God's faithfulness, which gives us hope in the midst of suffering. And that hope does not fail. Now, if you've ever been to a funeral, you know that every funeral is different. There are many ways and voices that express grief. Scripture is the same way. Now, the book of Lamentations has five different laments. And our particular text today comes from the third lament. This third one is personal. It's the cry of a man who has seen suffering, the suffering of exile and of God's judgment upon his people. And having seen these things, he cries out in grief. In this lament, he speaks about God. Hear that again. He speaks about God rather than to God. In the verses that precede today's text, God is the one hiding in the brush like a bear lying in wait or a lion in hiding. God has been the archer who has marked out the lamenter as his prey and is driving the arrows into his kidneys. Physically, mentally, emotionally, this man has experienced the judgment of God and he's come to a point where his endurance and his hope from God has died. He can't speak to God anymore. He can only speak about him. This man is looking at God through the lens of his life, seeing God through the experience of suffering. He can't even pray anymore. What's the point if this is what God has brought upon him? Why even bother in prayer? But then he remembers something. Well, actually he remembers someone. He remembers God. He remembers God's faithfulness, God's mercies, God's steadfast love. Now, these aren't a new message. These are old words, the language of love God has spoken to his chosen people, given to Israel, expressed in their scriptures, in the books of history, in the Psalms, in the law, and in the prophets. 
When God redeemed them from slavery in Egypt, he revealed himself to them at Mount Sinai. And Moses asked to see God, and God gave him a glimpse of his glory. In Exodus 34, 6, as God passed before Moses, the Lord proclaimed these words in his hearing. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. This was the cry that Israel remembered in times of repentance for their sinfulness. And when they found themselves in distress, they remembered these words. This is the cry that this man remembers. And as he remembers these words, something amazing happens. Through these words, through this remembrance, God restores a relationship with this man. Suddenly, the man is speaking again to God rather than just about God. And that's where today's text of prayer begins. Great is your faithfulness, the lamenter cries out. Not great is God's faithfulness, but great is yours, Lord. My God, great is your faithfulness. The God who had pursued him like an enemy is suddenly near him in faithfulness and love. Because God will not forsake his covenant or his love for his people. The God who has acted to deliver them in the past from Egypt and countless enemies will deliver them from Babylon. The God who has judged them for their sin will forgive them and bring them restoration. In the face of great sin and suffering, God's faithfulness is great. And that is a greatness that his people rely on. Now, in our world, people sometimes use their lives and their circumstances as a way to determine and measure God's love. And so if God has delivered them from suffering, then God is powerful. If God has prospered their business or their family, then, then God is loving. But when life begins to break down and the painful and the unexpected come, their God and their hope also breaks down. The truth is that, that God and his love does not change. Our circumstances and our experience changes and we doubt God's love. But his love, his faithfulness remains sure forever. Our reading from Lamentations today calls us to turn back to God rather than define God by our circumstances. We encounter God according to his promises. And God's promises, they never fail. As verse 31 and 32 in today's text says, For the Lord will not cast off forever, but though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his, st- of his steadfast love. Because God has again and again revealed his steadfast love and faithfulness in the past to his people. We, even in the midst of suffering today, continue to cry out to him and rely on him. See, of all people, of all people, we know about the steadfast love of God. In the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, God has shown us his everlasting love. There upon the cross, God revealed his love once for all time. Using an instrument of torture, God wrote his faithfulness across all history. His love is so great that he bore the judgment of our sin for us. His love is so great that that he promises to give us eternal life. And his love that has brought us here together today, his love that binds us together as God's family, as God's people, and it is love that sends us home and sends us out proclaiming his great faithfulness. 
Now, in this world, we have heartache and suffering. But in the midst of suffering, we have hope. See, there is no judgment we endure where Jesus is not at the right hand of God interceding, praying for us, arguing our case. There is no suffering or trial that Jesus has not ultimately overcome for you already. See, if you're remembering God's faithfulness, this man cries out, crying out in lament suddenly begins to live in hope. God's faithfulness guides our lives in hope. Now, living in hope does not mean that suffering has been taken away. In fact, for this man's suffering is still present. He even continues to lament after these words. But now when he remembers his suffering, he does so with hope in God. Earlier, he was at the end of his resources. He had no peace, no happiness, no hope. When he spoke, all that came out was an expression of his hopelessness. In verse 18, just before today's text, he says, my, my endurance has perished, and so has my hope from the Lord. But now, however, his soul is full of hope, full of the promises of God. And he says, the Lord is my portion. Usually, one's portion was a reference to the spoils of war, with each warrior receiving his portion of the victory. This time, however, this time... The Lord has fought for him. God has fought and won and chooses to give himself as a portion to his people. They don't receive the winnings of battle, but the one who wins the battle for them. The Lord is their portion. God is our portion. And when, the Lord, when their portion is God, then you live with hope. Because the one who created the universe, who has defeated sin, death, and the devil, the one who forgives sins, he's on your side. And he fights for you. And so the man in this text, language, can't help but burst with hope even in the face of suffering, even in exile, as he speaks of God's goodness. He calls God good and says life is good. Life is good? Life even in the midst of exile and suffering? Even there life is good? Yes. Even there, God's faithfulness is great and guides our lives in hope. Now, on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he gave his disciples a promise. After he had washed their feet, warned about Peter's denial, prepared them for his betrayal and death, he gave them this promise. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In the face of death, of suffering, of pain, though trials are near, God is nearer still. Though death and suffering come in this world, we have hope for God's faithfulness is great and guides our lives in hope. Now, on the floor of the Hoover Dam, there is what is called a celestial map. And this map commemorates the day that President Roosevelt dedicated the dam. Rather than giving it a, giving a date, it gives the configuration of the stars on that day. <clears throat> the designers of the dam thought their project was so great, so daring that they needed to help future generations locate its occurrence in time. And according to astronomers, this celestial map will allow people to date the dedication for the next 14,000 years. This morning, God has given us the promise of his faithfulness. It can be read by the faithful throughout history, not, not by looking at the stars, but by looking at the cross. Because there, outside the city of Jerusalem, God the Father condemned his only son to death 
that he might bear for us the sins of the entire world. Now, risen from the dead, Jesus proclaims God's steadfast love to you and to all nations. God's faithfulness to this promise is great. It is great power to forgive your sins. It is great in its extent, lasting from generation to generation. It never fails. And it guides our lives in hope until Christ returns in glory. Because then, then he will bring about a new creation where all those who believe in him will live in the wonder of his great faithfulness and love for all eternity. That is where he is bringing you and I, his people. Amen.